Boxeo is back in the building. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns to block your G-Jab and land an H-Cross of the only wonder drug that all the top operators are after, that performance-enhancing audio. You asked for more boxing, and you've got it right where you want it, right, dare I say, in that feel spot. Come on, let me let me put some water on your balls. Oh, that's what we do here as the Brian Campbell is the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in the big gins for what should be an epic all heavyweight edition of the ITC Boxing Show. Fresh off Anthony Joshua's victory and just days out from the return of Deontay Wilder. But before we reunite the boxing brohams and share our true feelings for each other. I love you. I make you okay. Let me remind you to show your love for the ITC by heading on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe rate review heck send us a shout over social media using that hashtag in this corner it's much appreciated and for all of you who have yet to do your part in this audio consummation well look come on guys come on i've only got one thing to say to you stop that crap stop it stop it but without any further ado it is time to tag in world-renowned author editor Asian television personality and the sole protector outside of richard shaver's bank account of all Things cruiserweight. Cruising was made for Bob. It's Rafe, Bartholomew, and Big Red. You're in the Windy City this week, the home of my main men, Andrew Galata, Andrew Fanfara, the Sausage King himself, Abe Froman. How is it, my man? James Foley, what's going on over there in Chicago? I, you know, it's not too cold yet. Uh, I haven't been back. I, haven't been, I went to I went to college out here, so uh, I, I, it's you know getting back to my old digs, seeing some old friends, uh, trying not to freeze my my balls off because uh, if there's any water on them, I might be in trouble down there. Cool them down. Cool. It can get very cooled out here. It gets, it's, it's a little windy. Cool them down. Uh, Mr. Bartholomew, are you fired up for the return of box, for the return of large box, heavy box, if you will? Do heavyweights have your needle moving in any certain direction? Not in the direction that uh, the my friends one division below them tend uh. to move the needle for me, but but no, I'm here. You know, I'm here. To, I'm here to participate. Uh, it's uh, you know it, the. What, what can you say? It, it, it's a pretty good moment for heavyweights, uh, but we're, we're still waiting for it to, to really – it's tough. I mean, Klitschko Joshua earlier this year, it's not going to get better than that for a while. I, that, that was that, – that's still for me – that might still be fight of the year. I know a lot of people have uh, strong feelings about other great fights. That one was, was just – that was the one that had me jump out of a couch. I liked the way you worked it, Rafe, right there. No diggity. I, I'd like to bag it up because this has been a great year for boxing. A better year for heavies. And this past weekend, which we're going to get all into, Anthony Joshua, Carlos Takam. But I just want to talk to you about my feels. It's got me fired up for heavies, Rafe. Not just that we're getting wilder next, but really that the landscape of 2018 is starting to get laid out. I mean, this division is back, Rafe. And it may not be back that all these guys were elites. We don't know that. You know what I mean? We're going to get to pretender, contender in a few moments in terms of who might be for real. But we, we got excitement. And it's such... A stark 
change from the Klitschko era, which really, like, I hate to keep crapping on Vlad, but outside of this, my favorite sound ever that I'm about to drop, Vlad has not been kind to us the last few years. During the 12th rounds, I'll get him for a pizza face, and then we'll knock him out with a steel hammer in the 12th. Like, that's an all-time great moment, but you know the end of the Klitschko run. You can't really blame him too much, except for the holding and, and referee Louis Pabone ruining the Povietkin fight. But, man, we got fun and excitement, Rafe, and that's all you can ask for when you're talking about large men. I mean, you could ask for a lot when you're talking about large men, but I t- I'll take fun and excitement. No, I mean, it's true. It's, they got young, younger fighters, guys who have some flaws, but still mix it up. It's not, it's the days of, uh, you know, every time you turn on a heavyweight fight, you know, it's going to be two guys who don't look like they're in shape leaning on each other and occasionally like, you know, slapping at each other's bodies. That is, uh, you know, we're, we're beyond that for the time being. But these guys want to fight. They want to fight the best. There doesn't seem to be as much promotional entanglement right now in the heavies, Rafe, as there are in our dream divisions like welterweight, where we still can't see the best fight the best on a consistent basis. It feels like we're going to see that. It feels like heavy has a lot of guys who can talk trash, a lot of guys who throw bombs, a lot of guys who may not be like complete stars enough where they can roll through fights without getting hit and hurt and compromised and damaged. And leading that charge is the face of the division right now, Anthony Joshua. And I think, Rafe, that's part of the reason why I'm so excited. Joshua's not Floyd Mayweather, right? He's not Joe Lewis. He's a guy who's going to have to fight through issue to get a victory. And even though Saturday's victory in Wales over Carlos Tackham, Tackham up, bro, even though that will go down as, you know, one-sided and he finished him, you watched that fight, I watched that fight, the people watched that fight, and Joshua is vulnerable. He's still growing. He's still learning. He's only been boxing for like four years. Like the guy, like really, he should be playing middle linebacker for the Eagles with Mike Mamula. But he's, we got, we got gifted to him. He gifted his talents to Boxeo. So he's still growing on the job. And this is fun to watch. Rafe, did you catch the feels from Cardiff over the weekend? I don't know if I would call them feels, but no, I, I definitely, I, I, I know exactly what you mean, and it is exciting about Joshua. It's sort of, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, it's like he is most dangerous as a fighter when he just sort of turns it on and, and overwhelms an opponent with like how, how physical and strong he can be. And, but that also, if he doesn't hurt his man, hurt, you know, hurt his opponent when he does that, when he turns it on, if he, if that doesn't, you know, if he doesn't get some work done, if that's not effective, then he kind of gasses out quickly. It's like he, the, his, the, the best work he does often leads to his most vulnerable moment, moments not too long after. So it's, it's, it's got this cool sort of, uh, you know, his, his fights have even, even, you know, we saw amazing momentum swings when he fought Klitschko, but even even against a lesser opponent who he is sort of dominating, you still see that sort of rise and fall in, in how he's performing and and in, in, in the individual rounds and as the fight goes on. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's this feel like you and you laid it out. There's potential stamina issues. There's also potential chin issues. There's also the potential that if he gets in there with a with a true slick pure boxer who can take his shots. There's a chance somebody can crack the code and out-slick him. And that's nothing to sort of say negative. I mean, he still can knock you out. He's still a big dude. He still has responsible defense. But those holes, those vulnerabilities, those nuances make his fights fun. And it almost reminds me of Lennox. And now in the 90s, 
I hated Lennox like every other American heavyweight boxing fan, right? Because he wasn't Tyson and Bo, and he wasn't American, and he had a girly voice and all these things. But Lennox's fights were extra exciting because you had seen him get one-punch KO'd against McCall. You had seen him get one-punch KO'd against Hasim Rahman, and you had seen him come back and avenge those victories. And I'm not saying Joshua will follow that same suit, but there were a couple moments in this Takam fight where he took some clean shots, and he wasn't in serious trouble, but I got those Lewis McCall flashbacks where it's like, wow, this fight can go in the, the other direction at any other time. But let's fully recap what we saw there. It was Saturday in Wales. Rafe, they set at Principality Stadium, formerly Millennium Stadium, which we saw uh, the home of the great Calzaghe Kessler, uh, Super Bowl of Euro Box AO. 78,000 setting a new boxing indoor record in the history of the world, besting Muhammad Ali, Leon Spinks 2, 1978, the Superdome, 62,000. That said something to begin with. AJ coming out to the letters A and J on fire like The Rock at WrestleMania 32 said something. And then inside that ring with that crowd going nuts, we saw a fight in which Joshua outboxed Takam, but he couldn't just walk him down and get him out of there because Carlos was not just durable, Rafe. He was smart. He was a little bit shifty. And every time AJ thought he was going to go on a run, you saw Takam counter right hand, sneaky stiff jab to sort of make AJ reset and never let him be fully comfortable. And that made drama where, like I said, after the fact, you don't see that on the score, you know, in the box score, you don't see the drama that we saw during the fight. Yeah, and I tell me if you think I'm crazy here, but this felt to me like maybe the best I've ever seen Carlos Takam look. I yes. mean, he, you know, obviously he had the draw against Mike Perez. He's had other decent outings where he proved that he was sort of near a world level. He's a decent contender at heavyweight. Um, but he showed, you know, yeah, the, like uh, some some ring smarts and ability to make, you know, make things difficult for Joshua in there. That was really impressive to me and and made the fight fun, you know, really kept Joshua on his toes. Didn't it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't Prince Charles Martin in there. <laughs> Great call. The one of the uh, he's up there with Herbie Hyde as the least impressive heavyweight champions, quote unquote, of all time. Uh, Takam definitely this was his best performance, like you mentioned, because look, it was the biggest fight of his career. It wasn't, you know, it was bigger than when he got stopped by a Meldonium head Povetkian in the tenth round. You know, for that secondary title, it was bigger than when Takam got outpointed by Joseph Parker right before Parker won his title. It was the biggest fight of his career. And man, did he show heart, did he show a chin, got up from a left hook in round four. That would have sent a lot of people packing to, uh, to hell into, uh, James Bag Jr.'s memes for life right there. And he made that a fight. And Rafe, there was that second half push where AJ didn't have, let's say, the stamina dump like he did against Klitschko where he got caught. But there were those moments where AJ slowing down and in round six, seven, eight, Takam's doing the best work of the fight. I, in fact, gave him one of those rounds because he started to come in and throw combinations. And it put you in that spot where you're like, are, are we going to see AJ fade? Now, credit to AJ, he never did. He steadied himself because he's got responsible defense. we got to give him that credit. He's not just chin out in the wind ready to get hit. Maybe he doesn't move his head as much as we would prefer. But he takes care of himself, and he righted the ship. And this was much more valuable in the end of performance and experience for Anthony Joshua than had he rolled in there and knocked him out in two, three rounds. Or had, you know, 
Kelvin Price or uh, Malik Scott dove out of the ring after one punch. You know, I mean, this was a much more valuable experience that you need. This fight, Rafe, reminded me of 90s heavyweight boxing in the sense that every step up the ladder, for the most part, is educational and is tough. And you're fighting those Ray Mercers and those Tommy Morrisons and those guys that are no joke to get there. To come, maybe not in their category, but he performed like he was in their category on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he really, it, it was an, it, he, it, he made, he made that a good fight. And it was, especially being called in on short notice. I know that, you know, Eddie Hearn sort of, cleverly had him uh you know working out on the side so that he would be there would be a backup ready by the way sad to not see Kubrat Pulev in there not only because you know he, that would have been an interesting fight too but it would have given us all an opportunity to go through all the weird awkward erotic photos he puts of himself online and his <laughs> various ladies uh you gotta gotta show some love for the big Bulgarian uh you know throw some water on those puppies and uh, get back in the ring big guy um but um no I mean it's a, you know it, that that it it really was it it did feel like okay we even though this was not a marquee matchup in the division and Joshua was a clear overwhelming favorite who you figured unless something crazy happened was going to win. It was still a real fight and he still had to do something to win that fight, which has not been the case in recent years in the heavyweight division. Certainly. And Joshua, to his credit, found that second gear and in the 10th round really started to land those combinations, those power shots, really attempted to get Takam out of there. And Carlos found out something inevitably the hard way, Rafe. Hey, that black guy, he hits hard. And the referee jumped in to wave that off as Takam was backed against the ropes, eating combinations. Of course, though, it's boxing, so you can't exit with a good feeling. There has to be a controversy. And, yeah, minor controversy. The fight was stopped too soon. That was a trash stoppage. Not, You know, it's like AJ said afterwards as he talked to the crowd. He said, you guys wanted to see this guy unconscious, right? You wanted to see him carried out. Well, I got robbed of giving you that. Now, that's pretty brutal. That's pretty barbaric. But that's also heavyweight boxing. And, you know, that's a, that's a quick stoppage, Rafe. Come on. Oh yeah, it was garbage. I mean, like, I, and I and I was glad to hear, uh, you know, AJ call out, you know, the the fellow British referee, which you know, usually you don't always see that, you know, and not that he needed to be saved at all by the referee, but this was what this, throughout the fight, this was sort of like a classic. Oh boy, we're definitely in the UK. Like they pulled out one of the one of the specials for this one because I mean, he the guy the the amount of times that that he kept bringing to come over in the early, you know, after he got cut over the eye, and it's like. Doc, I think you need to check this out. I don't know if we can continue. He even, he even, like, when, when the cut first happened, the ref kind of made a, like, a gesture to him, like, do you want me to wave it off? He sort of waved into Tom's face. He's like, no. Um, and, you know, it's just one of these classic, like, I'd love to stop this if you'd like me, if you, if you, if you, if you say okay. He's like, no, I'll keep fighting. He's like, okay, but I'm just going to give you a trash stoppage a few rounds from here. If you, just letting you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to come, I, I failed to mention, did cut, like you said, fought through, ble- you know, cuts above both eyes and was bleeding. Also part of this narrative and, and maybe explains in the first three to four rounds where a lot of people thought on Twitter thought that AJ looked very sluggish was the fact that he got headbutted in the nose inadvertently in round one. And Joshua, who thought it was broken, it turned out not to be, said he had trouble breathing throughout. So that was another sort of hill to climb that he successfully A good learning did. experience, right? I mean, the kind of thing that you have to fight through, even though, you know, you're, 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 you, you go in against a guy you expect to dominate, you know, 
accidental headbutt messes you up in the second round, and then after that, you you know you have to figure out a way to still win that fight. Absolutely, uh, Ray- unless Robert Garcia is in the corner. Oh, oh, you know you you're doing Mikey Salito flashbacks right there. By the way, I have a <laughs> I might be the only person in the world with a Orlando Salito Mikey Garcia boxing after dark poster framed in my room with. With Triple G and Rosado's neck tat right below that. You know, every day I have to hear from my right wife. Right above the bed, right? Yeah, but every day I have to hear from my wife. Why is there a nude Native American woman on a poster inside of my house? But, you know, shout out to nude women and Native Americans. But, Rafe, uh, what I'm really trying to say here is that through my TV screen, I caught some of them feels. Because, once again, Europe and Great Britain and Wales, in this case, showed us how you can really do boxing and make the presentation more fun. That was a rocking stadium. AJ had an incredible entrance. Even though his there were audio issues and his theme song didn't play, he comes out to fiery letters of A and J. You just saw like a show, a feel. And Joshua, if you didn't know, if you if seventy eight thousand paid customers weren't enough to show you is such a big star, Rafe, and this was addressed after the fight where they're like, you know, when are you going to make your U.S. debut, which all us American journalists have been hoping would already happen or would maybe happen first thing in 2018. And for the first time, Eddie Hearn and Joshua were like, you know what? Maybe not anytime soon. Did you look over my shoulder at what's going on here? Are you counting the bills that are getting passed into my pocket? Rafe, I looked it up. Joshua made the equivalent in American dollars of $13 million in this fight, a mandatory fight against a replacement who took it on 10, 12 days' notice. Like, that's not too shabby. This guy is such a big star that when he's saying things the week of the fight and saying it again after the fight that, sure, I'll fight Deontay Wilder. I know that's what you want, but he needs it more than I do. Rafe, he's actually right. Absolutely, he's right. And and then people kind of, I mean, obviously we're, you know, we're American boxing fans, boxing writers. We sort of hold on to this notion that this is the, you know, if it, if it isn't big in America, it isn't as, you know, as big as it could be. That's not necessarily true in this case. Uh, that, you know, you see the crowds and the money that he is generating and it's not, it's not fake money. It's not venture capital money that's being redistributed by a generous manager, you know, which is great. Keep giving that money away. You know, I don't care. It's not my money. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not the investor, you know, but, but the, 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 the millions that some of that, that Deontay Wilder has Wait, made did you in just make versus- an offhand Waddell and Reed. Comment right there? Was that, a, was that I, a, you know, I, Waddell got the big wad and I'm glad they're giving it to boxing, even if they're not going to see a whole lot of it back. Um, but, uh, yeah, like Deontay Wilder, his big purses aren't coming from the money that he's generating. They're coming from venture capital money. It's an investment in the idea that boxing will come back big in the United States someday. And, uh, thank you for making that investment. I'll run to the bank with it. Uh, you know, um, whereas Joshua over, uh, you know, across the pond is, is drawing 80,000, nine, well, it was more than 80,000. Sorry, Carl at Wembley when he fought Klitschko and, uh, and 78,000 in Wales making, you know, gonna maybe hopefully forcing Calzaghi to come back into the ring to fight Frotch in Wales in order to beat that record. Uh, I think they could do that. Um, Wait, but, I um, I, sorry, I dozed off for a second. Did you mention... 8,000 at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> I mean, Alex Godinez, somewhere out there in podcast land, just just uh, just just saluted us, I think. I mean, I won a twice in Florida. I won, yeah. In my last fight, before, before I knocked out George Groves at Wembley Stadium in front of 8,000. Okay, just, just checking the, the numbers and the records. Got it, got it. Okay, 80,000. Anyway, 
Joshua's the biggest star in the sport. I mean, he may, he generates more money, makes more money, is worth more money. You know, he's not the biggest star in America, and that's sort of one of the weird uh, uh, ironies of this or a paradox where if he came to the States, he would be taking a pay cut. He, it, you probably couldn't put him on pay-per-view right away. Um, and it wouldn't, and, and it just doesn't make the dollars and cents. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if Wilder, I know Wilder says he's willing to go to the UK to fight him. I hope that's true. And I hope they do that. If, uh, if Wilder can get through this fight coming up this week, you know, in subplot to the idea, and of, of course, do I want Wilder, Joshua next year, 2018? Do I want it at Madison Square Garden? Of course, but subplot to the business reality that you just laid out is that in the States, that fight dies on pay-per-view. It really does. Everybody loved Klitschko Joshua earlier this year. So many boxing fans who have not watched it in forever were texting me and emailing me because they saw it on, not free TV, but they saw it on on close enough to free TV, and they loved it. And it aired on both Showtime and HBO at separate times. feels like everybody had a chance to see it. And guess what? They saw it on pay-per-view rave. They won't see it. So if you're a boxing fan right now and you know the business climate in England, you kind of have to say to yourself, yes, AJ, stay over there. And let's let our guys come to you, bro. He's also the best talent, right? I mean, he's not perfect, but he looks like the best talent in the division. Uh, the guy who people who, who, you know, and experts believe is the best heavyweight right now. He beat Klitschko. That, you know, that he's the man. I, you know, Deontay Wilder is, you know, obviously a huge puncher, undefeated, has, has some decent wins. But he doesn't have the rep right now that Joshua does, you know. Go fight him there. Yeah, no question about it. So they asked Joshua about his 2018 plans. So, hey, Josh, about those plans. And first thing he did say was that like Triple G, Rafe, he respects box. He respects titles. He wants all four belts. He doesn't necessarily want to take a chance on losing those four, one of those four belts. And what I mean by that is if you're trying to secure a super fight and you're alphabet organization who has your title says, no, hold on, bro. You got a mandatory first. A lot of times in boxing history. Since the four belt system was created in the late 80s, you would give up one of those belts and say, screw you, I'm making the cash. Well, as we're finding out from this fight, from that Dillian White fight in which Joshua made something like 14 million, he does it, you know, he's going to make cash anyway. So he might as well play the belt system. And he's saying, yes, I want Wilder, but most importantly to me is the belts and the mandatories. Eddie said, I want AJ, you know, well, first of all, hashtag earn with Hearn. It's true, once again, all right? In a sweet vest or man coat or waistcoat, whatever the warlock told us that time. A sweet three-piece suit from Eddie. Eddie says, I want AJ to fight three times in 2018. I want it to all come against stars. And here's my dream lineup for you, okay? WBO champ, Joseph Parker. WBC champ, Deontay Wilder. And the wild card of the situation, Rafe, the great. Tyson Fury and of course they would want Tyson Fury right because that's Joshua's biggest potential payday and Rafe I BC your man want Tyson Fury all right give us a year yeah (laughs) baby I just don't get it do you enjoy being heard I know you smell the perfume the makeup on your shirt you don't believe these stories (laughs) 
You know that their own lies Bad as you want you Stick around But I just don't know why If I was your man Baby you <laughs> Yeah What I do I be coming home Back to you Every Man I didn't know he gets down with Mario like that Oh Rafe hmm. You don't think I don't right now Have uh, on my audio soundboard About ten different opportunities To play Tyson Fury singing right now You're crazy And the reason why I have this is I hadn't been thinking of old, of old Tice for a while. I'm sure a lot of people haven't been because, you know, he hasn't fought since upsetting Klitschko in 2015. Then he gave up the belts when he, when he realized I gotta take better care of myself mentally. When he announced he had the drug problem, all of that. Tried to make a comeback to, to get a Klitschko rematch, realized he just can't get into shape. We don't know where he's gonna be, where he's going, all of that great stuff. But I hadn't even thought about him in a while, Rafe. So when they're suddenly saying his name, you realize as fun as the heavyweights are right now, as insanely fun, it could only get that much better if we could just inject Tyson Fury back into the mix. Are you feeling me? Of course, man. But, but how are you going to get him? You, you can't just inject him back into the mix. You need to, uh, you need to like, uh, somehow remove, extract a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, fluid, fat, whatever he's got on his body <laughs> before you get him in there. I mean, you, you know, we, there, we, we, we checked out. There's a great, uh, YouTube compilation of Tyson Fury's sort of greatest hits going around that we watched this week and, and kind of got us excited for him again. But the, the thing that really struck me was looking at how, looking at how, how slim his face used to be when he was going into those fights against Steve Cunningham and Kevin Johnson and being like, I'm 10 times the man you'll ever be. You know, that's more Irish. He's, he's, he's English. I'm sorry. Um, but he's, uh, he's a traveler, but, Rafe. Give, give, well, yeah, yeah. He's got Irish roots, but he, he, he's, you know, British, he speaks, he speaks British style. Um, but, um, he, uh, yeah, but, but just how, how thin his face used to be, the kind of physique he used to have, and was not in great shape. But man, he, uh, he, he, it's gonna be a long road back to that, and I don't know if he can actually get there. Okay, well, that's true, and he's probably, like, upwards of 400 pounds. And like I said, he tried to come back in camp with Billy Joe Saunders, what, that was, like, last year or maybe earlier this year, and it just didn't work. But I started to watch those videos that you mentioned, and I really started to realize something. It's not like I haven't realized my love for Tyson Fury in the past and what he can bring to this division. But outside of the horrible sides of him, which, let's be honest, I mean, his homophobic history and rants are, are, are absurd, and he's had rants against women and almost quasi-racist rants. I mean, he's pretty awful in those categories. But from the karaoke, which which we can get down with that on this show, to just the absurdness and the fun and the fact that stylistically, because of the size and the slick boxing ability when he is in shape, he is a a kryptonite type, you know, guy that he's, he's a lock that's hard to open. I mean, no one's beaten him yet. So man, if he could just get back, I mean, Rafe, even like three quarters of himself just to become a marketable B side against the very best. I mean, think of what that could do for this division. I mean, think about the build for him and AJ. Forget Carl Frotch. Forget George Groves' arm tat. Forget 74,000 in, in Principality Stadium. Rafe, I don't know how big the stadiums run in Europe, but you can put 100K somewhere for that fight. 200K maybe, right? Talk me off this UK heavy ledge. Well, why, why talk you off of it? All you gotta do, I mean, just, I don't know. It's, it all relies on Fury. I guess the cynical way to look at it is, all you need to do is get him into good enough shape to get into a ring, and then whatever happens there, you made the money. Uh, but as a, you know, as a fan of the sport, and I, I, I say this knowing or assuming 
in all likelihood, we aren't going to see this. I I would like, you know, I, that's such an in- interesting fight, actually, especially now that we've seen the way that that Takam kind of moved and, like you said, gave made made Joshua work and 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 gave him some problems cutting off the ring, had him following a little bit, was able to knock him off his rhythm with the jab and just by countering and and sort of backing off, changing distance, getting off first a few times. Those are all things that. Tyson Fury does well, not with much power, but does well. He's such a disruptive fighter that way, and he moves well. But he's such, but he's actually, but he's he's not tiny like Takami. He's not a swole a swole dwarf in that sense. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, Fury would go in there, and and it would that would be such an interesting fight. The 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 Fury who outpointed Vladimir Klitschko in that boring but interesting fight. That would be something to watch against against Anthony Joshua. No doubt about it. And of course, I'm selfish. I want more of this. Okay, Gypsy Boys. Okay, the Irish crew. Hey, hey. Here we go. Rising, chicken punches like Mike Tyson. Seven in the ring, and here we go, yo. Punch up, like Michael Bruno. Give it to your roar like a hardcore porno. Hyper the sex info. Boom. I mean, come on! You want that? You need it, Rafe. I mean, if you don't, if you don't want and need that, I got two words for you. That's what I got for Oscar. I got fish. Scared. <laughs> well, maybe those were the wrong two words, but you know what I'm talking about, Rafe. Hit me up on the D, Oscar. Come on, you need that. We need that in our life. We need the injection of the performance-enhancing Tyson Fury. Come on. I agree, but where, where does that get us? I don't, where are we going? <laughs> it gets me, not, it gets me playing more soundtrack. He's gonna be 500 pounds next week. <laughs> Alright, we need some, I mean, who's gonna get, remember when, uh, I mean, this was Riddick Bowe's early rise when they were like, we got something with Riddick Bowe, but he can't stop eating. So remember when they hooked him up with Mackie Shillstone, like the famous, uh, nutritionist who, who's worked with boxers in the past. And remember, they got him in perfect shape for the best night of his life and he defeated Evander Holyfield in their first meeting and won the heavyweight title and I still say to this day find me another heavyweight historically Ray find me one who can beat that version of 6'5 Riddick Bow on that night you can't do it bro you can't do it we need somebody I don't know if Mackie's still alive we need somebody who can just work with Tyson and brainwash him for six months to get him into the kind of shape it would need to have that fight with AJ that we're talking about where it not only sells but on paper pretty difficult right all big guys hate fighting a guy who's bigger than them who has longer arms than them and can think a little bit is there somebody out there Richard Simmons uh uh you know uh what's that guy uh body by Jake uh DDP yoga. Is there somebody out there that we can hook Tyson up with that it will, that will, it'll just work, Rafe. It'll happen. It can get him down to about 275 again. I, I gotta go with that guy, that, that ponytailed infomercial guy yes. who had the weird, like, uh, Tony something where he, the gazelle. Like he was, what? He had the gazelle, right? Tony? Yeah, it was like that weird, like, he's pulling his, he's pulling his body forward in a weird humping motion on his, on this machine he made. He's got a bad ponytail. He's in great shape. That's the man. That is the man for sure. So that's Tony Little. That's the gazelle glider. My mom had that. Everybody's mom had that. Come on. I almost dropped a Tony Miola there before I realized he was an old goalie for the U.S. Uh, men's national soccer team. Former uh, attempted to be the Jets place kicker. Never forget. He got caught, Rafe. Uh, So that is obviously the fight I want. How do you see 2018 playing out for Joshua? Do you see big payday mandatories or do we get at least – one of those fights that Eddie's trying to lay out for him. 
I could see us getting one of them. I don't see multiple of those, but you know, several, all of that, like that kind of schedule going according to that plan where it's Joseph Parker, Deontay Wilder, and then somebody like Tyson Fury. Um, honestly, I, uh, I have a feeling that, you know, Joseph Parker and his handlers have seen sort of his ceiling over there and they might be looking at turning this into a, uh, into a uh, a how do you say a Chris John situation where he's just going to like go take that belt back to New Zealand and let mandatories come over there until something forces him to to really give it up because wow. he it, you know I, he just you know I, I would you give him any chance would you think no, he would he, fight it as well as as Carlos Takam against doesn't even get in shape he doesn't even get in top shape he doesn't have a chance he's not as strong and he's not as good of a boxer as AJ so yeah you know what would be nice Huey Fury uh, you know even though he's coming off of that 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 you know disputed loss uh you know Huey Fury might be a way to get Tyson back in the ring if if if, if AJ wants to take him oh, on you yes. know you know splatter him and and then try and get a, a family feud going. Although you do not really want a family feud going with um with UK traveling people, but uh, <laughs> hopefully they keep that in the ring. Can you? That's the best. So if you're Eddie and you're AJ, that's the smartest way to get Tyson in shape. Is you're right, like destroy Huey and then maybe like attack B- Billy Joe Saunders at a press conference, like really make this messy. And then we'll get this. We'll, I mean, we'll get we'll get Tyson back, right? Like we'll get we'll get like the mean, angry Tyson. We'll get like the guy we want to come back in shape. That's brilliant. I don't want to gloss over how brilliant it was though that you basically your idea is to turn joseph parker into like darius mikolshevsky of the heavyweight scene you know what i mean like that's fantastic that's not my plan i just that that's my my uh suspicion of what may happen i mean i if if you were his management team would you be in in any rush to put him against a decent heavy i mean and 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 that's the belt that every promoter is trying to pick off you, you know you see you hear bob aaron aram coming out talking about how he wants to match, get get bryant jennings a fight with uh with joseph parker well why because andy ruiz almost beat his butt no, no doubt about it. If I'm Parker, I'm I'm banking that Burger King sponsorship that he has d- down under there, and I'm just uh, I'm going at it. Rafe, let's play uh, contender, pretender from this standpoint in the heavyweight division. I'm going to name a heavyweight contender. I just want to know if he's a contender to giving AJ a good enough fight where he can win, or if he's a pretender here. All right, you want to play this game with me? I'm down, man. All right, we're going to talk about Wilder a little bit later. Luis Ortiz, Rafe, he becomes now a a cautionary tale, a wild card. He's 38. He may be 45 for all we know in the, in the way the Cuban age system works. Uh, coming off with now a second, uh, failed drug test. Will we ever see him at this level? I, uh, the best version of him can be a contender against AJ, but for him, it's more about pretender contained contender. Can he ever get back to this level? I hope so. I mean, I, I believe we haven't seen him. He, he, he does a little bit of the Cuban thing where he will fight down to competition, where he will, you know, we've seen him in some bad fight, the Malik Scott fight, where if a guy is not engaging and he can cruise to victory, you know, cruise to the win, he will let that happen. Um, but I don't, I, I, I've never been convinced that he sort of fell off a cliff, uh, skill, power, all the, you know, like in a, in a real fight, I think he would still perform well. But he needs to get it. He needs to be able to get to the fight, right? Whether yeah. it's um, something nefarious or some kind of misunderstanding with his blood pressure medication, um, you know, he he can, one. He, you know, we even though we suspect that there is some abuse of the performance enhancing audio in the world of boxing, uh, you know, it, it's it's. You, 
you can't get caught. You know, it's an IQ test. Uh, I don't think he and, ever gets there, though, Rafe. And, the re- and there's a couple of reasons why. Like, there, there's too much danger. Like, he just yeah. was on the doorstep of, of that chance that we wanted. Because I think if he's as good as he has looked against Brian Jennings and if it's clean, then he's the guy that's the last one standing in this division. I really mean that. I think he beats Joshua. But obviously now that version of him is totally under question. I don't think that Hearn ever goes in that direction. Let's not forget, Eddie Hearn was promoting uh, Ortiz just a few fights ago, and like curiously that relationship ended and broke apart. That has to tell you something, Rafe. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know what that – that was suspicious. And, and Ortiz has bounced around so much, uh, and, which is weird because he is he is good enough and, and – in good fights, it's quite fun to watch. I mean, I really, man, that, that Jennings, he, that, he was awesome in that Jennings fight. That fight, that was actually the fight that really got me jazzed about the heavyweight division again. That was, I think, the one, you know, uh, what, a year and a half ago, or maybe was it even two years ago, when, you know, when, when he sort of dismantled Brian Jennings, but yes. Jen, Jennings fought well, kind of, kind of rallied a little bit in the middle, but you knew that Ortiz was just better. And and he got up on his toes and 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 popped the jab and then started hitting with the left. Oh my God, he was nice that night. Oh my God, he um, was he was like the combination of like Joe Lewis and Joe Frazier. I mean, he was absurd that night, and that's what yeah. got me excited at the turning stone there. But we obviously don't know, you know, if that's real, and that's that's the problem. And I don't think anyone ever gives him a chance again. Why would unless he acquires one of the four belts and puts himself in a spot where somebody can't avoid him because it's the biggest fight to make? He never gets there, Rafe. His window closed. Probably right. All right, Joseph Parker, we talked about it before. Here's the only way I think he gets into this mix and doesn't become Svenaki, which is what you wanted to do. I think if you're Eddie Hearn, you say, all right, I want to unify. I'm going to have to pay for it. So I buy the unification. And what that means is I give Joseph Parker and his team, like, the dream payday of dream paydays, right? Like, you double or triple whatever he's going, he would potentially make. And you do that so you can acquire that belt and get it out of the mix. Do we see that happen in 2018? I guess. How often does that happen? I mean, it, it, it would, I, Hearn is, it seems to be, you know, pretty creative, pretty aggressive with the ways he's promoting, not, you know, willing to do things a little bit differently than, than the script we're used to watching here in the States. But how, we, you know, how, it seems so rarely that we see, you know, unification fights and, and the, we know the sanctioning bodies don't like them because they like to, you know, they like to spread out the belts and get as many fees as they can. Uh, it is, it, I would, it seems like I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it anytime soon. Yeah, they don't like unification, but I do think it can be bought though. You give, you, if whatever Parker was making at his best, you give him double, triple of that. People, I mean, look at that's why Charles Martin got, got involved, right? Like, they got an offer they couldn't refuse, and he gave his belt to Joshua, basically. That stuff does happen. Uh, I think Parker's ultimately a a pretender to the throne, though. I think, you know, he goes down hard. But Kubrat Pulev, I think, will end up getting a chance, Rafe. I think he's going to recover from the the, uh, shoulder injury, get back into the mix. I don't – like, he's a contender in the sense that he's crafty and aggressive enough where I think he makes it a good fight. Do you think he's a contender enough to pulling the upset on Joshua? I would not, not, not the upset, but everything else about that you said about him. Yeah. He, and, and the thing about Pulev, you know, he lose, he loses to Klitschko. He comes back. He keeps winning fights. He, so he, he, he earns that position. He keeps putting himself back in position to be that contender. He is a real contender. Uh, but against Joshua, I think he gets overwhelmed and I don't think he, yeah, he has enough craft to really, or, or enough power, although he can punch, but not enough to really, uh, you know, shock Joshua in that way. True. So, As I go uh, through you know, the contender, the, but not the the kind of the kind of contender that's going to actually beat him. 
Scrolling through the top ten, I'm going to skip over Dillian White and Dominic Boobs Brazil. They both had chances against Joshua. Both got stopped. Andy Ruiz Jr. with that one loss to Parker. He's not getting a shot at, uh, at uh, you know, unless he becomes number one in somebody's mandatories. He's a pretender to the throne here, Rafe. You know, right? He's good. Uh, 100%. I mean, for kind of a fun fighter, you know, just because it's such he's had such a, a strange uh, body type. You know, you don't expect a guy that jiggly to have the fast hands that he does. I don't know if they're quite as fast as uh, Muhammad Ali's hands, as uh, Bob Arum has claimed quite famously. <laughs> um, but it is, uh, you know, I, I like watching a fight. I actually would like to see him in the ring more. Maybe it's unlikely because they fight on different sides of the aisle, so to speak. But, you know, something like fighting, uh, you know, Big Baby Miller, you know, like the two big guys going at it, both guys who who can see, you know, who, who are more, you know, have a lot of skill and athleticism for their, you know, giant bodies. Well, you, you mentioned him. There's two more unbeatens, and, I, and I'm referencing just by quick glance Dan Raphael of ESPN's uh, top ten heavyweight rankings. Dan is always on top of uh, of the rankings in every division. Jarrell, Big Baby Miller, and Adam Konaki, the guy who uh, took the soul of our guy Arthur Spielka recently. Both guys unbeaten. You give any of these guys a chance in a fight against Joshua and a chance to secure that fight. Not only did our guy Kaunaki take uh, Spilka's soul, I believe he he left the you know he left the ring that night with his tuxedo briefs. It's sort of like a a Highlander principle of when you defeat Arthur Spilka, you you take the briefs too. You know, it's like and and your and now your power is mine. Um, so Kaunaki, that's so he teased I, the bag and he took the mess home, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, I, I haven't seen enough of Kanaki. I mean, beating Spilka, you know, in a one sloppy punch, uh, it doesn't tell me a He's whole a lot. He's a caveman, Rafe. He's a caveman. I love the guy, but come on. Yeah. He, he looks like a, a you know a slightly uh, a slightly more crude but more powerful uh, Johan Dualpas, and I hope they go fishing <laughs> someday and have a great time together. Um, Big Baby Miller, I have a little belief in. I mean, yes. he's, you know, he's been a yeah, man, he's he's really, he's he's one of these guys. He kind of has that 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 amazing sort of shack athleticism. A guy who's huge shouldn't be able to move the way he does. Wow, you you and go right to Shaq. You could have been you could have just done the Glenn Davis comparison, big baby to big baby. You're like, no, let's go right to Shaq. I guess you could do that, but no. I, when I think of guys who you know who who are too big to move, that they move. Number one on that list is Shaq, and and probably Big Baby Miller is not in that caliber of once in a like seventeen lifetime uh, athlete. But he had he gives you that kind of feel, like man, how does this guy do all that stuff? And even though he's you know sort of new to boxing, he's been a kickboxer for a long time. He he uh, he just and he, he seems to back it up. And and I think what a lot of people liked in that win over Gerald Washington was how active he was. You don't expect to see a guy, you look at a guy like that and he's like, well, he's going to have stamina problems, right? Well, he didn't appear, he was throwing, you know, I mean, he he outworked Washington all night long and didn't seem to have any trouble. Um, he still hasn't really been tested, but, well, except for, well, by the way, we, he may have been tested in Shannon Briggs's gym down in Florida. There's Speak a video it. going around this week. Uh, Big Baby Miller comes in. Berman Stavern is, is sitting over there on the ring apron, and uh, Big Baby comes in, says what's up to everybody, you know, Brooklyn guys, Shannon, you know, Shannon Briggs and, uh, and, and Big Baby Miller. And, you know, he walks, he, 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 walks, he does like a a drive-by or a walk-by on uh, on Stavern and says something to the effect of like, yeah, yeah, what's up, man? I know, what's up, champ? I know you had the belt for a minute, you know, yeah, and then you gave it up, you know, maybe like like a day or something. And uh, 
and uh, and and Stavern just went into like death stare. Oh, I gotta see almost this. didn't say anything. Stood up like like the Terminator and starts marching forward. And like Shannon Briggs broke his 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 whole kayfabe act and starts saying, you know. Yo, get out of the building. You gotta leave right now. It's a big baby. You don't want to be here. Get out. Just chill. Go outside and chill for a minute. We're gonna calm him down. So I don't know what what they know about Berman Stavern, but hey, yo, with this fight coming up this week, I hope that Berman Stavern saved a little bit of that and brings that into the ring because that's what we didn't see the first time he he fought uh, Deontay Wilder when somebody fed him the black pill and he had the blood disorder yes. and God knows what happened. Well, uh, Jarrell Big Baby Miller will be back November 11th. That is, uh, that's coming up, Rafe, when he makes his HBO debut against Marius Walk. Yes, Walk is back. Waka Waka on the Jacobs Arias undercard. That should show us more if he is for real. You think Big Baby may be able to talk himself a lot further to a title shot than a lot of other guys. So that's something to look out for. Rafe, who is not in this rankings, who won't have a shot at Joshua is my man, Tyshawn Dong. Yes, the Donginator, the Dong man. He just recently signed with WWE or at least went to a tryout with them. So that would be interesting if, if the six and oh, the Dong could, could make it in pro wrestling. I don't know if we have enough time in the show to go down a dong hole right now. Rabbit hole. I'm sorry, but uh, I'd love to, but, uh, uh, at least, you know, he came to his senses and realized it's not going to work out for him in boxing. But I mean, the guy's marketable. He can do things. There are other people not in the top 10, Rafe, even outside of Fury, who I want to ask you if they can end up getting the shot at Joshua that could make money and maybe make it a good fight. And it really comes down to this. The winner of David Hay and the Tony Bellew rematch. Do either of those guys, certainly they could sell a rematch with Joshua because they can talk trash. Would either of those guys, A, want it, and B, have a shot? Um, They might want it for the money. I mean, both of those guys seem to have a pretty heady sense for the business in terms of uh, what they, you know, like, like fights that would that they can sell and, and, and make and make money off of. I mean, that's why they're fighting each other twice. Um that's why Tony Bellew went all the way up from, you know, from super middleweight to, to, to heavyweight, um, over the years. Uh, it's like we saw him get knocked out by Adonis Stevenson and now he's knocking out, you know, cruiserweights and, and, uh, and a severely hobbled, uh, he, you know, uh, heavyweight, uh, David Hay. Um, you know, they, so these are guys who will do just about anything for the money, but at the moment it seems like they can still make a pretty good living taking less risky uh, fights than marching in there against Joshua. I think both guys are skilled enough to make the, that fight interesting for a while, but would eventually just couldn't hold up against his size and physicality and strength. They would, it's just, it would, it would, I think those fights would get ugly if they went long. I fully agree. I would still want the Hay one just for the combination of Hay's personality and the fact that he does have pop and, and, he, and he's awkward enough where if he took the fight seriously and he came to win, Joshua would have to be careful, but he's now 37 and he's into promotion. And, you know, a Bellew fight is a fight where he's only going to get hurt a certain amount outside of injuring himself. So it's a, it's a more realistic fight for him to make him a lot of money. I don't think he has the heart, Rafe. He hasn't shown us that he has the heart to want that. You know what I mean? He really hasn't done much going back to when he crapped out against Klitschko. So it's too bad because you think that fight would fill stadiums with the way that Hay can talk and sell things. I mean, you know, we just saw we played the uh, Vlad Pizza Face audio. That would be fun, Rafe. But it's... All this exercise of contender and pretender to figure out who could get next, it still has me excited because there's personalities, there's names for Joshua. It's going to be a fun next few years for him. 
Yeah, and and he's been active, and it seems like he sounds like he wants to stay active, and they're making a ton of money by keeping him active. So uh, things do seem lined up in a way that we, you know, this could actually, you know, work out for for more than one fight, two fights in a row, uh, where things are good in boxing or in in a division, uh, you know. Joshua can sort of lead us to the to the to the glory land, the glory hole. So oh no no no, oh, the glory come land. On. You don't. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. Rafe, we did get a, a bonus DM slide this week. Yes, guys, it's out there. It's available. DM season is open at B Campbell CBS at Rafe Bugs. Well, I don't know if Rafe's DMs are open. I slide in them all the time, but I have access. I don't know if it's public open. But jump. I mean, swan dive right in. And get us with your questions. Nice Price, which is at Nice Price Brooks, hit us up this week. Shout out to Nice Price for for listening, for for letting his voice be heard on the show. Rafe, he says, fellas, after after Tony Joshua versus Takam, the era of the subgiant heavyweight totally over for me as a fan. The size disparity is too great for me. What does this mean for guys like Takam? Question mark. What does it mean for cruising? Question mark. Rafe, he wants to know, is it possible that the alphabets will make another weight class? Will there be a, a in-between cruiser and heavy class where, where smaller heavyweights can stay in that 215 to 220 bubble? So that the regular heavyweights would become the super heavyweights. This is not a new idea, but it's a fresh idea when you watched a smaller Takam have success against Joshua, but ultimately succumb to that, you know, that power and that size. Rafe, you are a protector of all things cruiser. Do you want an in-between regular heavyweight division? You know, uh, what I say to Carlos Takam is if he is, if he's having, you know, if he doesn't, if he feels like he's reached his ceiling as a heavyweight, you know, there's a wonderful, he, he's, he's, he's a, he's a stout fellow, but, uh, not too tall. He may, you know, go become a cruiserweight, drop some weight, you know, slim down a little. There's wonderful fights down there. Go come cruise with us, man. And I think that, I mean, that, I don't know. I, it's creating and, but in general, honestly, creating another, weight class in between it, it yes it makes sense in in the way that you you wouldn't see these weird size mismatches yeah. where there's a a 260 pound guy against a you know who's who's six foot six or six foot seven against a guy who you know is 511 and weighs 215 um but that what what are there is there enough talent spread out even even with guys in that huge range of of uh of weights and sizes to fill up two divisions and that means so Anthony Joshua this guy we're all excited about can only fight guys who are you know who 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 are likely to be stiffs like um it's tough it's and a bad idea overall Rafe there's a lot of bad things that would come from that right like what like, I mean like, I, 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 think so trash too. I, haven't, I haven't gamed it all out yet all right number one a trash super heavyweight division because a lot of these six foot six six foot seven guys could still make that, you know, like, for example, here's what the UFC does, for example. They don't want the old early UFC days of, like, 400-pound guys in there. So they say there's a limit, 265. You need to cut to 265 to make heavyweight. If you can't, you can't fight in that division. And what that did was, you know, made sure that you're getting athletes in there. You're not just getting big slubs. So if you had something like that in this case, if you put a tight window where you can be a regular heavyweight, it would create a trash super heavyweight division. It would take away the luster historically of what heavyweights are, by the way, to be like, well, I'm the super heavyweight champ. Nobody cares. It works in the Olympics, doesn't work in the pros. And it could create the potential for guys to be a, you know, an 18th division we don't need, and we don't need a trash division. And I think super heavyweight would become a trash division because I still think the top elite guys – 
could cut to a certain window to still make regular heavyweight. So you'd create a crap division. And also you'd remove, Rafe, that old school, almost open weight feel. If we consider the heavyweight boxing champion, or we did consider to be, you know, the, the baddest man on earth, the, the most important title in all of sports, quote unquote, it still matters to me that there can be that much of a weight disparity. Like it's not fair, but it's still like this rogue, open wild west sort of scenario where if you think you're the toughest in the world go in there and beat a guy no matter of his size it, it almost feels like the early ufc days right of open weight it's still kind of like i'd rather have that rafe as barbaric as that is than have another weight class and have another you know i mean can you imagine some like 300 pound dude outboxing somebody and being the super heavyweight wba regular champion we don't need that yeah, I, bringing more, that's the other thing. A new weight class means four more belts, more nonsense. Uh, and, and, you know, as we're, we're enjoying this influx of talent at heavyweight right now, or just fighters who are fun to watch, you know, they're not like necessarily world beaters in talent, but they, they're good. They're fighters who, who are worth watching, which it hasn't been that way. Or it hasn't always felt that way in recent years. Um, splitting that up just, yeah, for, for all the reasons you men, you mentioned and just the idea of, of, Splitting that up doesn't doesn't make sense to me. I I I, it, I don't. Nor does it really make sense to see these giant size mismatches. But yeah, hey, you know, uh, as uh, as my my favorite penny, my favorite cruiserweight Pennywise the clown says, you know, you know, they we all float down here. We all cruise down here at 200 pounds. Wow. If you're if you're if you're a guy who's a uh, you know six feet tall can make 200, let's come enrich this cruiserweight division and really build it up to to a, a glamour division in boxing. What it should be. Wow, I love it Penny. when we cruise. You really just quoted Pennywise. Unbelievable. I will say though, and shout out to Nice Price for the question. Hiya, Brian. Oh, don't do that to me. I can't handle that. Uh, I'd rather put a spider on my face than make that sound again. Uh, Rafe, I will tell you this, nice price and Rafe. Maybe the middle ground solution is raise up the weight class of, of, of cruise weight. Instead of being a 200 pound limit, make it a 215 limit or 220 so that smaller heavyweights have a chance to cut an extra 10 pounds and get under. Is that, would, that, would that make everybody happy? I think if they did that, you'd make cruiserweight more watchable. And obviously, we're going to get to the World Boxing Super Series. That's making cruiserweight more watchable. But maybe if you just raise that limit a little bit more. Is that a fair trade-off? That makes some sense. I'm, I, look, any kind of change is going to have some unintended consequences that we, you can't really uh, figure out. Uh, do we know, you know, I don't know what they would be, but there would be something and, and some of it would be negative. Some of it would be positive. It would, I think in the end, it probably just comes back to the same old mixed bag that we always get in boxing. We love it. It's also going to, uh, you know, give us a, an ugly golden shower every now and then. And we just have to, uh, you know, wash ourselves off and move on. I think though it would add more luster to cruiserweight and there's still be heavyweights who say, that's fine, but I don't want the cruiserweight belt. I'm going to stay at 220 and I'm still going to fight heavyweight. But whatever. It's another debate. We're running out of time here, Rafe. We did though, since we're, since this is the heavyweight division, the cruisers are kind of close enough. So we did want to sort of cross streams here and find out what's going on in the WBSS and what's going on with. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it when we're cruising, baby. Oh, can you just feel that, right? You can just feel it. It makes you want to go like this. Hey, Rev. It's time to talk a box with ya. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little cruisers, bruh. They're not quite heavy, 
You know they kick and box up, be it they can brawl, yeah. And when Richard Schaefer put the cash down, all the cruises come running. They don't care where the money comes from. Can you give us an update on the uh, World Boxing Super Series? Where are we at here? Hey, things are looking up. It sounds like uh, they're looking to make Dortikos Gassiev soon. I saw a date on Boxing Scene, January 20th, possibly. Are you kidding? Yes. Throw some water on my on my sack, man. That's 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 hot stuff. Wow. I need to get cooled down. Um, you know, keep. I love it. They keep it moving. Hopefully, I, I hopefully Richard Schaefer can sell the semifinals to uh, an, an American TV network with a slightly more rich than the audience network. Although I am appreciative of the audience network for recognizing the greatness of uh, of this tournament especially the cruiserweight side of it um but for real like it, it's going well but here's what i was thinking and and you're i'm going to you're going you feel free to call me out because i'm about to go into insane boxing hipster like wild theory mode hot take to the extreme like like this take hotter than a g-jab to your face wow vanilla uh, ice to the extreme right i love yes, that yeah yeah i i rock the mic like a like a top operator wow um, i love anytime we can we can get vanilla ice references right look man yeah and and so here here it is i was watching that the that you know the anthony joshua fight Seeing Carlos Takam give Joshua some trouble, right? Moving really well. The movement really seemed to give him, he, he didn't really know how to deal with it. Uh, you know, he was, he was able to sort of bull rush in and, and then get his work done, but it's still like Carlos Takam really, he didn't expose him, but he showed us something. He showed us something. He might have put a blueprint out there for a guy with great wheels and great craft to go in and shock Anthony Josh to outbox him, to outpoint him. Do you think our guy, Oleksandr Usyk, yes. could do it? Could he pull it off? He's got the wheels, man. He knows how to work that ring. He's got the jab. He obviously is not going to hurt Anthony Joshua. But could he put on that clinic and survive and pull off that kind of upset? Could he be like a hybrid of like Lomachenko and Calzaghe heavyweight version? Where it's like he gets a little slap happy, but it's all about movement. It's all about footwork. It would obviously always come down to the chin, especially against a guy like Joshua. But that is such an interesting equation. I mean, it really gets me like it gets the blood pumping. It, it I mean, it doesn't necessarily make me want to, you know, take one round at a time. Let him shoot his low. That, I'm not going in that area, but I'm saying that is a, that's an, it's a math equation that's interesting. Yes, Rafe. I think Usyk is. Is trouble for AJ. Did I say that out loud? Can I regret that play years the, later? Play the shot day, man. Usyk, he's a top operator. He's a top operator. Cost to cost Bulgaria to Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man. We think, you know what? If Tyson Fury can't get back in the ring, Rafe, we should probably just recruit him to do karaoke on the show. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, we, we need a guy who can actually sing these songs that we come up with because I hear my voice on the, when I listen to this podcast. We need it a guy who can do this. You know what? 
Ah, oh, just a tease right there, Rafe. All right, back to the cruiser. Just a tease, just a little little tickle, right? Yeah, but in the meantime, hey, the, the, the cruiserweight tournament is going fantastic. They're keeping the, it's fast paced. They're staying on schedule. They're not getting, there hasn't been any of the setbacks that sort of postponed the, the, the super six, super middleweight tournament on Showtime back in the day. Uh, and, and, you know, props to Richard Schaefer. Tricky Dick got it going on right now. And, and, and on the super middleweight side, you know, I mean, that, that, that semifinal between Chris Eubank and George Groves is going to be fire. You know, our guy, oh, Gareth Davis out there is going to be, I mean, he may have, I mean, ask Sal Pal, but he may have already, uh, you know, he may have already shot the wad on All that right. one. This is too, this show is too loaded. There's too much heaviness. We can't talk about super middleweights. I will say this to HBO though, Rafe. If you're going to roll out like Jezreel Corrales in a main event, and Dimitri Bivol against a guy we never heard of, and even Danny Jacobs, Luis Arias in like three consecutive HBO main events, and you're not paying for the cruiserweight semifinals, which are really good matchups. Maybe it comes down to Richard Safer, you know, raising too high of a price and saying, if you want this, you also should get the super middles. Like, they got to come to an agreement here. Because I'm not try- – I can't find the audience network. And this- these guys belong on HBO much more than Jezreel Corrales. Come on, guy. Amen to that. I mean, I understand, you know, p- people in the boxing business, they, they may have their reasons for, for not wanting to, uh, to get too deep into bed with Tricky Dick. I don't know, you know, you may have gotten burned in the past, but man, come together. Do it for the, do it for the sport. Cruise with us. Everybody. Come on. We got to cruise together. All right. Outside, of, we got to wrap this up. Outside of Usyk, I don't know if any other cruisers could be a real threat to the, the throne, but I'd love to imagine that our guy Cool Ranch Dorticos could. I, I just think he, these guys, look, size is always going to be a problem, right? Yeah. I mean, Gassiev has a frame. I don't know if he's, I mean, I don't even know if I would pick him to beat Dorticos, but he has a frame that looks like he could put muscle on. He's a, he's tall. He's about six three. He has heavyweight height. Um, so you, I could, and, and he seems to have enough of a punch that maybe he could carry up, but he still, he still would look tiny compared to, to somebody like Joshua. And I, I don't think he has the craft to handle it if he ever got to that level. Absolutely. Uh, Rafe, we are going to close by previewing this weekend's heavyweight offering, which is, not what we wanted, but not, you know, it, won't, it will still entertain. It should, at least, when Deontay Wilder defends his WBC title at the Barclays Centers in, in Brooklyn on Saturday against Berman Stavern, who be who is his mandatory, who they paid to step aside because they didn't want the rematch, but now they brought back in when Ortiz popped dirty. Rafe, the most interesting about the build to this matchup has been Wilder's interviews on teleconferences, on the videos that he's posted on his account, how he's basically gotten to tears over how upset he is that nobody wants to fight him to the point where he's saying, right, he said two things. One, I almost considered retirement instead of taking this fight because I'm so broken that nobody wants to fight me. And two, if Stavern defeats me, I will retire. Maybe I'll go do some MMA or ish, end quote. Your thoughts on what that does to the drama entering this fight. It's interesting because it doesn't it doesn't come off as like salesmanship. No. It seems like he is going through something right now. Uh, he's really getting emotional. I guess if he is the kind of guy who was able to be baited into a fight with uh, the immortal Charlie Zelenoff, then I guess he, he you know he just may may run hot emotionally. Um, but it, yeah, it's weird to see this kind of 
stuff coming out of him because it is it it's it not you know it doesn't feel like it's a promotional whatever i'm I'm selling a fight he's like having a, a moment here Look, um lou debella told me on the record the promoter of this fight and i don't think he was trying to sell it he's like i'm kind of scared for deontay right now he's like there's an emotional uh turmoil that he experienced after uh, ortiz pulled out so for a promoter to publicly say that was kind of interesting yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's gonna be, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how he looks, uh, coming into this fight and, and hopeful that also Berman Severn can, can look something like the better versions of him we have seen, uh, with the times he beat Chris Ariola and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know if I would, uh, would bet on that eventuality, but, uh, yeah, it's well, something I, I, I remain hopeful. Two things inform the idea that this could be better than their first fight in 2015. One, Wilder broke his right hand, I believe, in the second or third round of that first fight and really had to box the rest of the way. And two, Stavern claims he took the uh, the black pill that James Kirkland took before the Carlos Molina fight. So he was sluggish the whole way. I think he just didn't have any stamina, Rafe, and didn't get into shape. But that's another side topic. That should at least tease you into the idea if you're tuning in and Showtime on Saturday that this could be a better fight than that. It also kind of teases the idea that Wilder may have been able to finish Stavern the first time around had he not broken that right hand. So those things are interesting. For Stavern, I will say this. He's normally a really bad interview, and normally his fights aren't too exciting. But Randy Gordon of Sirius Radio, the former New York Athletic Commissioner, fired him up on the teleconference by basically calling him out for trash talk he did. And Stavern went off, started swearing and yelling, and was like, you won't ask me that question in person. You'll just ask it over the phone. And he was fired up to the point that he almost hung up and quit the call. Race, if we, Rafe, if we could see that kind of passion in the ring this could be a good fight yeah i look the, when the when this fight was first made you know, not the rematch but the original the wilder stavern one we were pretty excited about it we thought this was going to be a real test for for deontay the first kind of meaningful bout that 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 we were going to see like a chance somebody with the power to knock him out who knows how to box who you know is responsible defensively who had beaten other good fighters was coming off a good win against a what looked to be a fairly motivated and in shape chris Ariola. maybe the last time Ariola looked good like that but man uh you know so so i i guess i'm I've, i'm hopeful we get the fight that we thought we were going to get the first time I agree with you. I think this time, though, the change in a healthy right hand, if it stays healthy, will be the difference. The biggest statement Wilder can make here is to stop Stavern, who has only been stopped once earlier in his career and has been pretty durable. That stoppage came in 2007 against a man named Demetrius King, who had an 11-15 and 15 record, Rafe. I don't know if you were there that night at Harvard Yard Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I certainly wasn't. Although offhand, that may have been Right that. in your backyard, man. You should have been there. Was that the undercard of when Nonito took, uh, took Vic Soul the first time? In Bridgeport, Connecticut? It was. It was a Showtime wow. card. Donaire Darchinian, uh, Joaquim Alcine lost to or defeated Travis Sims. That was a, a random, random card. Uh, that's the last time he's been stopped. He's been pretty good since then. But, Rafe, I think Wilder needs to make a statement here to build the groundswell further for the Joshua fight. And I think he needs to make the statement in the ring with a stoppage. And I think he needs to make the statement afterwards on the microphone to really try to rally the boxing community to say, hey, AJ, make this fight. Make it now. I'll come to your living room. I'll come to Cardiff, uh, London, ADK. I'll call Carl Frotz. I'll do whatever I have to do. Do I have to piss on your lawn like Tarver said to Roy Jones? What do I have to do? 
That's got to happen, and my prediction is, Rafe, that both will happen, that Deontay Wilder will stop Berman Stavern in about the eighth round because that power is for real, Rafe. We can't, we can't joke on that. Uh, Brian, I agree with you. I think that Wilder is going to win this one by stoppage. Uh, I, I, I suspect, I, I think Stavern has been a little too inactive recently. I, I mean, he's been inactive for much of his career, so maybe that's just, he's used to it. That's he how he rolls. He was inactive during but, the first fight with Wilder. He's always inactive. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, between the, the, the need to make a statement, a couple more years of experience and why, and, and Stavern getting a little, you know, longer in the tooth and longer in that giant dreadlock, uh, you know, they are, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think I think Wilder can actually, you know, assuming he stays healthy, uh, doesn't hurt his hands or nothing like that, will can can pull this one off. Brian, I am not letting you out of here. We are talking about heavyweights. There is a giant heavyweight match that we left on the table, a dream match, an old guy fight, a sloppy Super Bowl what? that we didn't get to talk about a few weeks ago when it roiled Twitter up. You know what I'm talking about. It is George Foreman versus your hero. <laughs> Steven Seagal. <laughs> Come on, man. You need to break some of this down for me. I know you need like 80 minutes to do it and you don't have that right now, but give me something. You love Seagal more than any man on the planet. Uh, and I know it's hard because he's making it hard with some of the weird political stuff these days. We don't really want to get into that with him, but you still, you still got to love the greats. The, you know, like the, I mean, the, the, the his performances. I mean, could he beat uh, could he beat George Foreman and George Foreman's evil twin in the same night? Or could he take them both to the bank, Rafe? That's really the key question, right? <laughs> the Senator, blood bank. Senator, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, what, how did that even start? Is George upset? The great about... Gino Felino, all right? What is, how does he handle George Foreman's power? You know, I, uh, man, this would be a wash. He, he ain't running, I know that. Is this the unified rules, or can we, or can we do like elbow and forearm strike? Can, is a keto allowed? I, Foreman, in this? Foreman's tweet said, you do whatever you want, I'll box and knock you all out. Right, so it, yes, Aikido is allowed. He, even with Seagal's fat stomach, and even in the fact that like the last 15 Seagal direct-to-DVD movies, which I've seen them all, by the way, the camera zooms in so tight on the fight scenes, which show you that they wanted to allow the, the, the least amount of movement possible so Seagal didn't gas out. So knowing that, and knowing Big George's power in that right hand, which it's the last thing to go, Rafe, even if Big George is like 66, right? That right hand is the last thing to go. I still got Seagal with some kind of crazy Aikido move, which ends in Big George's, you know, forearm getting bent backwards until the bone pops out of the skin. Yeah, Rafe, I said it. All right. <laughs> do you think Seagal has it in him to do that sort of uh, hard to kill comeback montage training where he's doing he's got the acupuncture. He's lighting the incense. He's kind of, you know, flapping his arms as he runs up the hill. He starts smacking the tree. He chops the tree down with his hand and he gets back into that prime, prime Seagal. Gal shape to, to 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 show George who is boss. Only if the if the commission allows him to grow the hard to kill beard with Kelly LeBrock by his side, <laughs> because that he really to, he needs a coma beard for this fight. I know. Can we just like forget that Seagal runs like a girl? Is that like a character flaw outside of his political beliefs that we can just you know forget that that ever happened? <laughs> I, I look. I, we both the two of us have clearly forgiven him for that. I mean, for all the joy he has given us, for all the times, for the way he stuck up for Bobby Lupo and went out and figured out what happened, why Richie did Bobby Lupo like that. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, you gotta love the guy. Alfred Justice, uh, you a boxer? Who's a boxer? You a boxer? Oh, I love when he took out that bartender. Come on. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. If, I, Foreman did not say anything about using, uh, you know, the, the the cue ball wrapped in a napkin. That may that may be off off limits in this fight. But Aikido is in there. I mean, and Seagal, you know, you see him. He's he's eating healthy. He's munching those carrots on Twitter. So uh, he's he's ready for this. Oh, shout out to Seagal for his great career. I, you know, we need to have a Seagal segment on the show where we just re- we review a different straight-to-DVD movie in his collection each week, Rafe. I may have to work this in, but uh, hey, to close here, Rafe, it's not full heavyweight, but it's light heavyweight, and talk about sloppy Super Bowl. I don't hate this December 8th PBC card in Hialeah, Florida, where my man, <laughs> yeah. your man, the Egyptian magician Ahmed El Biali, the unbeaten 175 prospect, takes on a wash John Pascal in the main event. That's going to be a tough fight, and in the co-main Wash on wash crime, Chad Dawson in La Bamba, Edwin Rodriguez. I'm fired up for this rave. That's and that's not just washed on wash crime. That's washed on wash New England crime, right? Oh Wait, yeah. Is Bamba also a Connecticut guy? It's, it's basically Worcester Mass against Hamden, Connecticut. It's gonna be fantastic. Ooh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be spicy. I mean they could have um, put that fight in my backyard in Avon, Connecticut. Instead they're putting it in Hylia, Florida. So yay, all right, PBC. There you go. Um I I it's it could be a true disaster. I mean, all of these guys, I, the only guy who looks like he, you know, who is on the rise there is El Biali, and he has looked pretty flawed over the years. Uh, and it seems like one of these guys who there's a reason he hasn't really stepped up yet. He's gonna, he might get the Shawnee Monahan treatment. Um, but Pascal has also looked like he is just, you know, ready to go at any, like he, he just, not probably might maybe uh should you know be ready to call it a career at some point soon that's why it's um, the perfect matchup because like we don't know if Elbiali could take a real punch really good dude by the way uh, Ahmed Elbiali wish him well in his career we don't know if he can we take know a that punch. he can wear a bathrobe we know that oh, Terry Cloth style yeah all right Rafe we are exceeded our minutes for the day follow us on Twitter at BKCBS at Rafe Bugs by the book two and two McSorley's my father and me from Rafe Bartholomew. Check out uh, Hoop Nation. Hoop Nation, is that what we're That's calling right. it? CNN Philippines, Hoop Nation. Check it out. You can find it on YouTube if you want to see me speaking Tagalog, uh, playing basketball in a skirt, uh, doing a lot of strange things, but uh, all for the love of the game and the love of uh, Philippine basketball, which is a great thing. We respect Fox on this podcast, and we respect you. Thank you so much to the listeners. Enjoy the heavyweight action this weekend on Showtime. Rafe, two words for the people. We out.